Father, we thank you for your great love, your unending love, and your tremendous grace and mercy and kindness toward us. Father, that you paid the ransom for us. You took on all the sins of not only our sin, but all of humanity. Father, we thank you for that. And so that's why we praise you. That's why we thank you. Because most of us know where we've come from and know what that looks like to be forgiven for all those things. Father, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity. Father, that you would open our our minds and our hearts to receive from you today, God. I know you want to speak to each and every one of us. There's something that you want to say. If you haven't already, begin to speak to us, Lord. So we pray that our eyes would be open to see you clearly and to understand who we are in you that you would open our ears to hear your word speaking to our hearts and that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. And we thank you for that and the all-powerful and the almighty and the all-loving name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You may be seated. Um, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. Before I get started, Last week, I mentioned that I like, uh, after Resurrection Sunday, I go to, uh, normally go to Walmart and buy a chocolate bunny, and I've been inundated with bunnies this morning. So I think there's a conspiracy. So in the Old Testament, when they were building the tabernacle, they said, bring all the gold and all the jewels and all the things that we need. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. But he said, stop, stop bringing. We have enough. And so let me say this morning, you can stop bringing, we have enough. I think it was Anne Lorraine this morning that said, you know, they responded so well, maybe you should tell me like $100 bills. So let me lay that out there. <laughs> so thank you so much. It means so much to me that you guys love me so much, that you're willing to bring me chocolate bunnies, and, and in due time, they will be eaten. So I may, I may even share some of these with you. So anyway, thank you so much. At this time, I'd like to release the Warrior Youth. All Children's Ministry is released to go back. We're continuing in the series, All the Nations. And this morning's topic is the early church. Now, we've been talking about this series for a number of of weeks. Kind of culminated last Sunday with Resurrection Sunday. But I want to continue in this for a few more weeks, at least a couple more weeks. And if you want to begin to turn to a couple of passages of Scripture, if you want to go to Luke chapter 24... We're going to look at verses 44 through 49. We talked about these a little bit last week, but I want to go back and touch on those. And so Luke 24 and then Acts chapter 2. My first point this morning is God has, has given us authority. We've talked about that in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had rule and reign over the garden. He said, take care of the garden. The early church and followers of Christ understood the mission and the mandate given by Christ and were personally involved in fulfilling the Great Commission. And that's kind of what this series has been all about, is understanding what the mission, what the Great Commission is that Christ gave to us, and then learning how to do that and seeing examples of that and and being encouraged to go out and reach our communities. There are a lot of unchurched people in this area, and I'm so glad, I'm so thankful that all of you were a part, most of you were a part of the sunrise service, and then came back here at 10 o'clock to meet our, and greet our guests. But, you know, that's what it's all about, is reaching the community around us, growing and being equipped and trained 
and then released and going out and impacting the world. So let's go to our core scripture, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. You guys should be memorizing this by now, right? Are some of you getting this? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. So that's been the core scripture. And that's really what Jesus commanded us to do. And after he died and rose on the third day, he told his disciples, when I leave and return to heaven, wait here in Jerusalem. He said, wait here. I have a gift coming for you. And so let's go to Luke chapter 24, and this is what Jesus tells them. Luke 24, 44 says, Then he, speaking of Jesus, said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Let's look at verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He was telling them, listen, everything that has been prophesied about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The religious leaders of the day knew the scriptures very well. They had memorized books of the Bible. They knew the word of God. They knew the scriptures. The past couple of weeks, Pastor Christine at the Bible studies been describing these religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and she's been talking a little bit about that and their differences of, of their beliefs and their roles and things like that. As Jesus is talking to them, he could have taken them to Isaiah 53, and which describes Jesus clearly. It tells of some of what he would go through and his purpose for saving all of humanity. So I believe it's very plausible that Jesus began to say, do you remember reading in this book of the Bible? Do you remember reading this over here? This is the fulfillment of me. This is what this was talking about. And when you go to Isaiah 53, and it talks about me, and you guys have seen the prophecy fulfilled. And so I think that's what he was doing. They were no strangers to the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Let's read this again. And then he, Jesus said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus was letting them know that the Old Testament spoke of him hundreds of years before. And so I think that's what he was pointing out, helping them to connect the dots. And I believe Jesus was graciously pointing out it's like probably the lights begin to come on. Ah, oh, now I understand what that scripture means. Now I understand that it was referring to you. Now I know who this was talking about, that you are the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled everything written about him. And I, I can't remember the number now, but the odds of one man fulfilling all those prophecies was like, 1 times 10 to the 28th power or something, you know. I mean, it's incredible odds that that could happen. Literally, almost impossible for that to happen. Jesus fulfilled everything that was written about him. Luke 24, 46. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And this was the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. I mean, come on. That is the message. It's not that difficult. He goes on to say in verse 48, you are witnesses of all these things. 
In other words, you have seen these things fulfilled before your very eyes. And the Bible says that there is so much to record that you couldn't even record it all. But can you imagine walking with Jesus? We have numerous accounts of him healing people, raising people from the dead, all kinds of things. You know, those are just little snapshots in time of his life. And can you imagine living life with him? Uh, imagine that you come to church on Sunday and everybody has this perception of you because they see you. And, and hopefully it's a very good perception. You're kind and loving and gracious. But you know what? That's not your whole life. Because you go to work and you, you sleep. You know, what do they look like when they're sleeping? Oh, they got their mouth open. You know, they don't see that at church, right? But the point is, is that these were just snapshots that we have, but they were walking with Jesus on a daily basis and seeing him in every aspect of his life. Think about all the things they, that they witnessed. And verse 24, 49, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father has promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And then he ascended into heaven. He said, wait here until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So my first point was God has given us authority. My second point is the Holy Spirit is a supernatural power. That's what we're empowered by to go and make a difference in this world. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. And I'm not going to read all of Acts chapter 2. You can go back and read that. But the Holy Spirit came down and filled the believers. And some of those that were watching said, oh, they're just drunk. They're acting crazy. You know, those crazy Christians. <laughs> they're just acting crazy. But Peter, who was the one who had denied Christ three times, begins to speak powerfully. And I, I talked a little bit about this last week, how that I think there was a change. Something happened in Peter when he denied Christ. And then Christ came back and said, do you love me? Peter began to, to speak powerfully. Let's go to Acts 2, 14 through 24. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Hey, let me be clear about something. Then he says in verse 15, These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I think he was saying, Hey, now, six o'clock in the evening, uh, we, you might have a valid point there. But he's saying, Listen, it's nine o'clock in the morning. These guys aren't drunk. And then he goes on to say in, in verse 16, No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And Joel was a prophet who lived about 800 years before Jesus. And he was seeing into the future. God gave him a, a prophetic vision. And he was seeing and speaking about the future in days. Peter's quoting Joel in Acts 2.17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. He goes on to say in verse 18, In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. See, the word says that there's neither uh, male or female in Christ, Jew or, Jew or Greek. I mean, we're all one body. And so he's saying, in, my, in the end days I will pour out my spirit, um, men and women alike, they will prophesy. Verse 19, And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and clouds of smoke. Then he goes on to say in verse 20, the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Wait a minute, we just saw that. How many of you saw that a couple of weeks ago? And I think there's going to be, what, three more of those in the next year and a half. And so he's saying, what's, what's he talking about? He's talking about in the end times, at the, in, the, uh, in the end days. He says, the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. 
And so many of us are seeing some things happen. The word says that no one knows the day or hour when the Lord's coming back. But it does say, be mindful of the times, be watchful. And when you begin to see these things taking place, know that the return of the Lord is near. So this was, you know, uh, when, when Joel wrote this, it was, was 2,800 years ago, right? I don't know this. I'm not an end-time scholar, but it seems like we could see the Lord's return. I mean, if you look back, for those of you who are old enough, look back how things have changed just in this country the last 20, 30 years. I mean, it's been a radical shift where we're taking God out of society, trying to make it illegal to pray and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's craziness. There was a guy that wrote a book in 1988, and he, and he said the book, the title of the book was 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. 1989, he had a book that said 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1989. So no one knows, but what we can do is be mindful of the times. More importantly, what we can do is be ready. <laughs> there are people that focus on the end time prophecy and I know that's exciting I know it's kind of cool to look at the scriptures go to Daniel and, and go to Revelation and try to figure out what's going on but the fact is nobody really knows but we can be mindful we can be prepared there's a parable about the ten virgins Do you remember that parable where five had oil extra oil and five didn't they were prepared for the coming of the, the bridegroom. And so we need to be prepared. Not only do we need to be prepared, but listen, guys, we have a window of opportunity. We don't know how broad and wide that window is to impact our community. First of all, we don't know how long we're going to be alive. Does anybody know the number of your days? I mean, you could get hit by a truck today. Praise, you know, pray that you don't. We don't want anybody going home yet. You haven't finished your, your task here. But we don't know, and God has placed people in our lives that we have a sphere of influence with that nobody else in the entire world does. And so we have a great opportunity to finish our course and, and finish the task that God has given us. He goes on to say in verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, that's really what it's all about, is submitting our life to God, allowing God to work in our life, and then going and sharing the love of Christ. We don't have to beat people up. We just need to love them and point them to the truth because there are a lot of people that have bought the lie. Oh, I'm not worthy or not good enough. Well, you don't have to be good enough. You just simply receive God's gift of grace and salvation and forgiveness and all that. So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Only Jesus can save. There's one thing that we have to do. We have to receive it. We have to ask him into our lives. Salvation is a choice to receive the forgiveness, grace, eternal life, and abundant life that he came to give now and forever. But we can walk in abundance now. We talked about John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come, Jesus said, to what? Give you abundant life, life in abundance in every area of our life. So we can walk in the abundant life now because it's not based on our circumstances. It's based on our relationship. Amen. Acts 2.22. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you know. They witnessed these things. They saw these things. The Bible says, blessed are those who believe, but more blessed are those who have not seen and believed. That's talking about us. Because they walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus do all these things. And we're receiving Jesus on faith. We, I don't know, maybe you've seen having a personal encounter with Jesus, but I have only through the Holy Spirit. You know, I have the Holy Spirit speaking to me, but blessed are we, even more blessed are we that believe who have not seen. 
It goes on to say in verse 23, but God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Peter said, well, you and those, those mean old Gentiles nailed him to the cross. But you know, it was part of the plan, God's plan, to restore humanity back into relationship with him. It goes on to say in verse 24, But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And and that's really what we celebrated last week. Jesus not only conquered sin, but the grave and death as well. Let's go to Acts 2, 32 and 33, and then we're going to go to 36 through 42. It goes on to say, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. At God's right hand, and the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. They were experiencing this. Have you experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life speaking to you? I found that that's a growing relationship and where my sensitivity increases to hearing the Lord's small, still voice and, and where I begin to trust him more. Are you walking in faith in some areas? where you can't do anything about it? Or have you walked in those things and you've seen God come through and do amazing things that you couldn't do, that you didn't have the power or the authority or the knowledge or wisdom to even take care of, but he does those things? And so we grow in our relationship as we yield our life to him and we get more comfortable in that relationship and hearing his small, still voice and stepping out in faith. Acts 2.36, let's skip down to that. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made the Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. The plan was for Jesus to save us. He is the Lord and the Messiah. And we talked a lot about this, that the uh, religious leaders missed him. They didn't recognize him for who he was. Verse 37, or they may have just rejected him because he threatened their position and all of that, their religious places of honor and all that. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? What do we need to do? I mean, we're, the Holy Spirit was working in those people's lives, and they said, well, what do we need to do? And verse 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he says, listen, just repent. Ask God to come into your life. Get baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to do. I mean, can it be any easier than that? They were willing to listen. They were willing to listen, and then they chose to respond. Verse 29, this promise is to you and to your children and even the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So he's saying, listen, this promise isn't just for you. It's for everyone, even those non-Jews that were responsible for helping you get Christ to the cross to crucify him. For everyone, for your children, for you, for the Gentiles. Verse 40, then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Hey, you guys have it pretty good. I don't preach that long. Come on now. He continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Acts 41, 2.41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Wow, that's a powerful sermon. (laughs) 
I don't think even Joel Osteen gets that many people saved in a service. <laughs> but here's the point, guys, is that the Holy Spirit, the Lord wants to touch your life. He wants to touch the lives of the people around us. And if we will just flow, he will do amazing things in our life. Let me read on in, in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So they devoted themselves to the teachings of Christ. And that's why we're emphasizing that you continue to come on Sunday morning, hear the Word of God. Come on Wednesday night, hear the Word of God, so that it gets down in us. It's not just reading a scripture or, or reading out of the Bible, but we're actually getting it down in here because that's when our lives are impacted. That's when our lives are changed when it becomes part of our DNA and who we are. So we encourage you to come and, and fellowship with us, but also to get the teachings of Christ, the truths and the principles of Christ deep within us so that we can grow in our relationship but also that we can be trained and equipped and then released to go out and train other people. You may be sitting there saying, well, I can teach a, a Bible study, or I could do this, or I could do that. It's one thing to sit out there. It's another thing to be up here and doing it. Are you trained and equipped? Yesterday, Jason did a wonderful job at a memorial service for his fa father-in-law, and he's done several of those. But that's where the rubber meets the road. Can you actually do that? Effectively, can you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in putting a teaching or a sermon or, or something together and then effectively deliver that? So this is training ground for all of us. Or it may be teaching the children. I mean, there are so many opportunities here at Life Fellowship to begin to step into that, whatever that may be, whatever God's called you to do, so you can grow and then so you can help train others. And so as this church continues to grow, then we're going to need more people involved serving. But you can't just go from zero to 100. That's a, it's a growth process. You need to be involved to learn those things and be able to grow and grow in your faith and understanding, but also be able to share that. One of our core values is teachability, being able to be taught, but also being able to teach others. They also devoted themselves to fellowship. And you guys know that when we have a fifth Sunday, many times we have a time of fellowship. Because it wasn't just about going to church and doing your checklist. It was about building relationships with the Lord and one another. So those things are very important. They shared in meals together. We do that on fifth Sundays, including the Lord's Supper. We have the Lord's Supper to remind us, to be reminded of God's great love for us and what he's done. And then to prayer. They spent time praying together. That's something I've been praying about is that I would like to see us spending more time in prayer corporately. So these are the things that they did. And the Bible says that they met daily in one another's homes. They didn't just go to church once a week or a couple of times a month. They were, they were meeting daily. They were serious about their relationship and growing and establishing these godly, healthy relationships and spending time together, learning the teachings of Christ. So my first point is God has given us authority. My second point is the Holy Spirit is a supernatural power that leads us and guides us into all truth. And my third point is God's love changes the world. A few months back, I guess, I was talking about John, the disciple and apostle. And he, even 70 or 80 years later, after he'd spent time with Jesus, he was, you know what he was talking about? The love of God. He was still talking about the love of God. Do you have that love of God in you? 
Is it growing? Can you share that with others? God's love changes us. The great thing about God's love is that we don't become disqualified any time we blow it. So many people think it's all performance. You look at Peter. He denied Christ. said, Lord, I'll die for you. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. Come on. We've all blown it. <laughs> we all have. But God specializes in taking our broken lives and fixing us and using us as we are. Every person in this room is an individual. You're all created uniquely and differently. That's wonderful that we work together, that we can come together and love one another and reach out to the world around us. And God will use your individual giftings and talents and quirks and all that kind of stuff because he's bigger than that. And he's looking for people that are just simply willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And a number of you... See, he may be calling right now. <laughs> there are a number of people that have messed up terribly in their lives, and they think, well, you know, God could never use me. But let me tell you, God can, and God wants to, if you will yield to him. And I was so, I was so excited when we were at this uh, Kima Boardwalk Sunrise service uh, last week, just to look out. Greg, the guy that was leading it, said, look out there. He said, look at all those people just serving, wiping down chairs, setting up chairs. It was wonderful. And it was for one reason, to reach this community, to reach out to the people that don't know him. And then many of you came back here and served our guests at Life Fellowship. And Jesus has called us to impact the world. This church is very unique from what I've experienced in other churches and the fact that so many of you are giving of your time, your talents, and your treasure and serving. So many of you are serving. The percentage is, is way higher than most churches. And I appreciate that. And we talk about our mission statement to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. The greatest way that we really grow in that is by serving. Ministry means to serve. <laughs> it doesn't mean, well, I'm not even going to get into all that. It just means to serve, Okay. And I see hearts of servants here in this place, in this building. And I'm so thankful. I mean, even, even bring me chocolate bunnies <laughs> to abundance. <laughs> and, and I so appreciate your hearts. God has called us to impact the world. Let me restate that. God has called you. <laughs> you. You may say, I, I don't know. I, yes, stop it. You. Yes, you. You. Every one of us to impact the world around us. You can choose to make a difference. The greatest way is to love God and love one another. The rewards are gratifying and eternal. Listen, we all, we all stumble and make little mistakes, but God is perfecting us. He's growing us. He's changing us from the inside out. He's helping us to grow and mature. He's helping us to come to a place of yielding our life to him, every area of our life, our emotions, all of that, and saying, God, I will yield my life to you, and I will allow you to work through my life. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning, God may be speaking to your heart. He may be tugging on you, and maybe you, you don't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe you did at one point in time, and you've walked away. And if God is speaking to your heart this morning, drawing you back to him, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you call you up or embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. There's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building 
and not receive. Thank you for that. Anyone else? God loves you. And he wants to. He wants to bring health and healing and wholeness. He wants to bring you into the abundant life. If you've responded, would, would you just simply pray this prayer? You can pray it silently or you can pray it out loud. The important thing is that you pray it from your heart. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your grace and your forgiveness today. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for the forgiveness for all my sins, past, present, future. And I thank you that you are changing me. From this day forward, I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. All that old stuff, all that old junk, whether it be guilt or shame or whatever that is, is washed away. And I take all of those things and I leave them at the cross and I leave them there because you took all that on when you died for me. And I receive this gift of new life today and I thank you for it. This is a new day. Thank you, Jesus. Pray one more prayer for you. Father, I lift up this young lady and I pray that you would fill her with a power that we just read about in Acts chapter 2. That you would fill her with the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. That she would begin to hear your small, still voice in greater measure. That she would come into such an intimate place with you. That she would just continue to grow in that. Lord God, and that you would touch her heart, touch her life. God, and I thank you for the gift of new life. Your word says that that your mercies are new every morning. Father, thank you for that. Thank you that we don't have to perform. We just simply receive your wonderful grace and forgiveness. And Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can walk in the authority that you've given us and that we can trust you when we can't navigate through the challenges and we can't find a way out of our situation we can look to you and you will lead us and guide us and show us a way and help us so father we're so grateful and thankful for your great love for us because it's your love that drives all of those things and father we just pray that you would go with us this week and continue to download into us but also Help us to reach out to those who don't know you. Give us hearts of love and compassion for those around us, realizing it's not all about us, it's all about you. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. One final thing in closing. I want to not only invite you, but encourage you to be here Friday. It's going to be awesome. Listen, when we come and worship I know there are people that that say, well, I'll I'll come to the service after the music. Listen, the praise and worship is an important part of the service. And whenever we come together and worship on Friday nights, on these first Fridays, it's powerful. We've seen God do amazing things because we get into the presence of God. We bring the lights down low, and we just get into our own little place with the Lord. And that is what changes our lives. It's, It's an encounter with God that changes us. So... If you haven't been to a First Friday, please come. We'll have child care. If you've been to a First Friday, you know, come back. You, you probably will be here. 
<laughs> we have a core group of people that come every first Friday. Uh, but please come and join us. And so with that, please be dismissed. Uh, the prayer team will be up here. If you have any prayer needs, they'd love to pray with you. Thank you. God bless you. Go and make a difference in your world. Go out and live it. Thank you.